What's up, nerds? Welcome to Arsenal X, NGR's Xbox show. Try number two. I'm one of your hosts, Corey Deering, and alongside me, as always, Edward Farnell. Hello, nerds and nerdettes. It's time for Arsenal X. Yes! So Ed. ready for this. So pumped. Yes! Yes! All right. So, Ed, we've we've taken some feedback from our fans from various social media and messaging outlets. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of have five separate videos go up on YouTube during the week. Uh-huh. But we're going to do it in a more natural podcast form. So uh, the audio version of the episode will go up on Wednesdays, the full episode. So if you don't want to wait for the YouTube breakouts, uh, you can go ahead and download and listen to it. And what I want to do is have, I haven't decided, probably four breakout videos and then the full video episode go up on Fridays. Uh, that's kind of kind of what we've kind of taken in terms of feedback and, and what our fans want. And, you know, NGR is about giving the people what they want. So Ed and I are here to provide. Uh, yes. We're kind of taking that same approach with uh, Nerds Gone Platinum, but we've handed that show to Moose, who's our uh, NGR radio third chair. Uh, he's going to do that show with some people, so that's good. Uh, you know, Ed and I like PlayStation, but we're more of the Nintendo Xbox guys, so we're going to stay on this side of the fence while they and, tackle that side. And I and hopefully so. Moose, hope, hopefully Moose will have me on because uh, I'm an I'm I am a universal gamer, and so I can't wait to talk PlayStation also with those guys when I get a chance. Uh, yeah. So and I'm sure uh, I'm sure Ed and I will have no issue getting together and discussing something about PlayStation from time to time. Yeah. So, uh, but for right now, PlayStation don't have nothing for us to discuss. <laughs> True. Uh, if I have to listen to people chasing trophies for another half hour, sorry, Moose, I love you, but trophy talk, I, I can't do it. I just can't. Well, you know, but I think that I think that's cool that he bring up brings up trophy talk because yes. there are people who really want to uh, get trophies and get platinums and stuff, and I root all you know, I root for people who do that. Um, yeah, and like I. I enjoy PlayStation a lot. I enjoy playing those games, and I know there are people specifically out there that play PlayStation to hunt down the trophies, and you know that's what Matt's uh, other show, the Platinum Achievement Podcast, that's what that show was founded on, was you know, a thousand gamers scoring something or platinuming a game. Uh, you yes. know, fr- friend of NGR, Chris Har is obsessed with chasing down Platinums. You know, Matt's obsessed with chasing down Platinums, Mooses, so... Uh, you know, that show is going to be for those types of people. And I wanted to make sure we had someone in place on that show that would, you know, care for those, care for our fans that are into that. You know, I didn't want us to sit there and talk about trophies, you know, or PlayStation stuff when we're more of the Xbox and especially Nintendo side of things. So, yes. Uh, so, 
Nerds Gone Platinum is going to be the same thing as this, but, you know, broken out four videos, full episode on Friday. Uh, but I haven't decided when the audio version is going to go up. I'm thinking Thursdays uh, since Pal Block goes up on Tuesday and Friday. NGR and World 1-1 come out on Monday. So we'll have at least one major show every day. And then Monday you'll get the double dose of of me and Ed on the separate on the separate places along with with Larry and and Matt and you know our our fellow team members on this. Yes, and also a uh, brew review. So All right, for our, so the brew reviews. Lovers. Yeah, yeah, that show. Uh, I'm not sure how John releases that, but what I talked to him about is we're going to release it on Sunday nights around five or six on the website. Uh, so you can check out, uh, John and the brew review over on his YouTube channel, uh, the brew review. There are links on our website, ngrradio.com and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, whatever he's doing, uh, you know, his, his beer, his personal beer reviews are going to go up on Sunday mornings on ngrradio.com and his, the brew review show will go up on Sunday nights on ngrradio.com but if you want that content earlier or want to know when that stuff comes out specifically uh you can go subscribe to his channel and watch it directly from there earlier if you want so uh that's cool i know his brew review team that you know writes about beer and stuff is also moving over to ngr from uh the craftchat.net i think is what it was but uh it's cool shout out to jesse white also who is helping john with the brew review and matt uh, yes they're good people they are good people and well yes there's going to be some crossover uh type things you know john and i and larry and i have have kind of discussed side shows uh you know like the perfect pairing larry shot me that message the other day where what beer do you pair with what game that kind of stuff you know there'd be like short three to five minute videos but it'd be it's just a funny thing to think about so uh a lot of wheels turning, Ed, at NGR. Yes. And it it's weird because it, it feels kind of overwhelming, but at the same time, I think, you know, you and I and Matt have kind of handled it really well to where all the wheels are kind of turning at the same time. So it's not as overwhelming. Yes. And the fact that, you know, Moose stepped up to take over the the brute or take over NGP. NGP. And yes. you know, you and I are are focused on these two shows now it's it's good it's a good time for ngr yes. radio so, so we yeah we all have content to deliver to the viewers and listeners so uh you know first of all like like as always we thank you guys for the support and the feedback uh keep sending us more feedback to help our shows become better um and i hope everyone is enjoying something um uh, and if you don't like it let us know uh so we can work on it to be better but like mm -hmm. thank you guys for just like tuning in and giving us us your feedback we really do appreciate it yeah, yeah, for real. Uh, what I, I, the first, this first episode might not be up this Wednesday because you know how iTunes and Google Play work. They just take their time getting stuff through. Like sometimes it'll be within a couple hours, sometimes it'll be a couple days before you can get a new podcast certified yes. for those platforms. So, uh, you know, be patient. They're coming. Uh, I'm going to set it up tonight. We're recording, we're recording on Sunday. So if anything big happens, you know monday or tuesday and we miss it that's why so 
Uh, we'll cover it next week, obviously. But uh, so I want to start this episode, besides explaining what everything else is happening outside of this show. Uh, <laughs> you know, we'd like to start with with uh, what we're going to call what's in the arsenal, Ed. What's in the arsenal? And we're just going to do a quick rundown of what this show is. Uh, you know, we're going to talk about what we've been playing. Uh, July's Games with Gold, uh, the Mass Effect Andromeda DLC debacle, uh, Call of Duty's exclusivity on PS4 first, and Xbox One X pre-orders, which the more and more I think about the Xbox One X, the more and more I want one because 4K TVs are coming down in price. I've started putting money away to upgrade next year, Mm -hmm. I think. Um, You know, it's a pretty box. I want to be able to experience some of these games in, in 4K and in the best way possible. And, you know, at first I was like, I don't know if I need to. But then I started, I saw something the other day that was like, I really want a 4K HDR TV and I really want my Xbox games to look the best they can. So I, I've, I've been thinking of Black Friday about it and uh i, I mean i'm still on the f- i'm i'm not ready to upgrade to ox just yet but enough for some 4k tvs and i can't i i have right now an emerson tv which is really good it's like a 19 inch um like 1080p uh hd tv and i'm trying to see if emerson makes another makes a 4k because i kind of want to go 22 inches a little bit bigger but if i can't i'm kind of looking at some of the sony tvs um mm-hmm. let's see what they can offer like i for me personally i don't really need a big tv i just need a tv i can put help because i don't have no i don't have no space for it i just need a really nice tv to hook up my consoles and be able to play now how my games are going? How my Switch games are going to look when I get finally get my Switch in a couple of weeks? Uh, I I don't know. I don't know how they're going to look on the 4K. But uh, for my X, from like definitely for my Xbox, if I start having problems with my o, with my one, then I'll upgrade to an OX. Um, but five hundred dollars for right now, I'm gonna hold off until I actually get a 4K TV. So, right uh, Black Friday, I- I'm looking at some. I I'm definitely not upgrading to an uh, X this year. Like I I just not. It's not in the cards. There's too many Xbox and Switch games I want to play. Yes. Uh, but I have started putting money back. Uh, you know, to upgrade to that 4K TV. I've been looking at my cur- my current TV. Uh, it's still a really good TV. It's uh, it's a Samsung 55 inch 1080p. TV, it's it's really nice. Uh, all my games look great on it right now. Like that's that's my main TV that I that I game on, right? So right. I'm looking in the same. I'm gonna keep the same size range. I might go a little bit bigger. I'm not 100 sure. I I mean, 4K TVs are still a little bit out of my price range right now. Mm-hmm. But you know, that's that's why I keep putting money away. Uh, I want to be able to get something before, you know, my wife and I actually hunker down and start a family and all that kind of stuff. You know, I want to get all the big expenses out of the way before, you know, other expenses start coming <laughs> into this this <laughs> house. Right. So uh, I'm looking at there's a there's a Sam, Samsung. It's the one that uh, all the IGN guys bought that KS 8000 series Samsung. Uh, 
Oh, okay. They've been dropping in price very rapidly. Like two months ago, they were $2,000. This month, they're $1,600. So I'm hoping around every time, every year for you sports fans, everybody knows that around Super Bowl time, TVs drop in price oh. by like 40%. So like, I'm like, yes, I know my Browns are going to be at that Super Bowl. We can sure as heck know I'm going to be at that Best Buy buying that TV. <laughs> can, 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 okay, so uh, people who know me like personally and stuff, I live close to Wisconsin. And Wisconsin tax is way cheaper. It's like 3% cheaper than Illinois tax, depending on where you're at. My electronics, uh, I go kind of, I, it's like a 35, 45 minute drive uh, to their Best Buy. And the tax there is 5.5 or 5.6%. Where ours is 8 to 10% on tax, on sale tax. Now, I have a friend up there. I could go visit, go get something to eat. Uh but I would I, when I get my electronics, I normally go there. I don't do it for my consoles. Consoles I'll buy for my job. Um, but my TVs and stuff, I kind of go across the border <laughs> to another state to get uh, to get something like that. So um, hopefully some good sales come out, and I'd be like, oh, the tax is really cheap, and pay the tax and skedaddle back to Illinois. Yeah, be like, yeah. like right by uh, Wisconsin. It's it's weird because sales tax, like for in Ohio, the sales tax varies depending on what county you shop in, right? So like where I live, it's like six and a half percent sales tax, mm -hmm. but where my parents live, it's like five and a quarter percent sales tax. Oh but wow! If you drive an hour and about an hour west into Pennsylvania, they don't have any sales tax. So uh -huh. it's like, you know, it's like, oh, man. They don't have, oh, like Philadelphia and stuff like that in that Pennsylvania? Uh, or, yeah, well. Or the state of Pennsylvania? Uh, yeah, the whole state of Pennsylvania has no sales tax. So, like. They don't uh, have, they have, they have sales tax. They don't have sales tax on clothes. Are you Cause sure? I, yeah. Because I've bought stuff over there. Right, I've been to Pennsylvania. I've been to Philly with my uh play dad, and when he took me there, we went to JC Penney. They didn't they didn't charge sale tax for clothes for the food they did. Uh, okay, well maybe I was wrong then. Maybe I don't know. We all my we used to go to the outlet stores over there all the time, and there was no sales tax. And I guess I guess yeah. I didn't notice it was just on clothes, but yeah. It was just on clothes because we don't have a sales tax on on magazines. Okay. So if you if you buy a magazine in Illinois, they don't charge you sales tax. But like food, um, actually, candy has its own separate tax than uh, a food tax. Like our candy here in Illinois, like if you buy it, it's one point twenty five percent. Okay. Yes, everybody, we got off of Xbox. What you uh, say? But, sorry, but, I, just, I just it's like sales tax is a big but big can difference. I ask, can I ask you a question though? When you buy games on your PlayStation, do they charge you tax on it? Uh they just started like I don't know, like a couple months ago. Because they used to not charge sales tax. Right. I still don't get no sales tax charged on mine. 
my oh. Xbox, my Xbox and my Wii U, like Microsoft and Nintendo, they charge the sales tax, but like PlayStation, they haven't. Right. I mean, I don't know. Like I haven't, I guess I haven't really thought about it, but I haven't really bought a digital game on PlayStation in a while. It's usually like Switch or 3DS or, mm. you know, Xbox. So, I mean, the last game I got for PlayStation was Horizon. So I, I mean, <laughs> I'm not exactly the person to be asking right now, uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's it's weird, but yeah, because uh, the, the yeah, I I brought something from Golden Week and I didn't I didn't get charged sales tax. I got some stuff that's still in my cart, so when I get paid again, I'm gonna end up buying it. Uh, and it doesn't have no sales tax on it, so I was just wondering. Yeah, uh, where were we at? Oh, Xbox. Ed. Yes, I want to know what you've been playing. What I've been playing. Uh, yeah. I think we both been playing Mass Effect Andromeda. So yes, um, I started up Mass Effect Andromeda like I was talking about last time, my last episode. Um, been getting a little bit further in the game, working on some of my weapons. Um, just getting some upgrades for my armor. I, the, the currency thing is still so weird. Um, but my progress right now, I'm on. Uh, I'm on like the second planet. Uh no, I'm on the third planet, which is like uh Violoi, Violoa, something like that. It's like an ice planet. So um I just got uh this character Moesha. Uh I just end up saving her, and that's the part that I'm at. I'm back on the ship. Um I've been romancing Gil, so hopefully, you know, we make a connection with that. And and I'm yes, I'm playing as a male character, so uh that's where I'm coming from. That's my progress right uh, right now. Um, I just opened up a slot to actually carry four guns uh, because um, the way that it works is like when you uh, level up, you get like skill points. So uh, hold on to those skill points or you can spend them right away depending on which one. Uh, and... I got a trophy uh, achievement for because I got my uh my uh assault rifle up all the way, but um there's still more stuff that I'm trying to upgrade for like my shotgun, the sniper rifle, and the pistol. Like I'm trying to get those main weapons and stuff. Um, and I think this game is probably gonna take a while to upgrade everything, so you might have to do maybe two to three new game pluses if they allow it. Uh, because some of the side missions, as good as there are, um, it kind of depends on of how you do them right away or if not. I've been trying to be, I've been trying to do them right away if I see them, and I've been trying to complete them before I go to the main mission. So that's where I'm at at Mass Effect Andromeda. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I just uh, I just started up. I well, I shouldn't say I just started. I started a new game. Uh, I started it a couple months ago, or I guess I don't know, probably like a month ago. And then I got distracted by something. I think something on Switch came out that I was really into. Uh, I think I was playing Mario Kart and and Shovel Knight, uh, the Shovel Knight DLC. Uh, but I started a new game last week. I'm only like five or six hours into it. I uh, did the first like major, like, I don't know if it's the first major planet, but like you kind of go through the ship and learn and then you go crash land on the first planet 
and, and search for your crew and stuff. I got through all that stuff and I'm just now getting to the second planet. I did all mm-hmm. the side quests on the ship and some of them require you to go to that first planet. So I'm starting to uh, get there. Um, I'm really enjoying it. I It feels like Mass Effect. I I mean, I don't think the writing's as strong as the original trilogy right now, but like, it's not terrible. I don't, I don't understand why everybody like was in a kerfuffle about this whole game. Like, right. I mean, I like, I understand like the facial animation thing on your created character, and like, you know, when you hand this off to a new team working on a new engine, like everything's not going to work perfect, but like it's good. Like it's, it's another mass effect game. What did you want? Like, that's what it feels like. It feels like mass effect with, and I really like the addition of the jetpack and the boost and stuff. It really makes, yes, it really makes getting around a lot easier. And like, I know later in the game, a lot of people say it gets a little repetitive and stuff, which I'm not there yet. So I can't say, but at the same time, I'm like, it feels like mass effect. It plays like mass effect with a little bit of upgrades and, you know, they put all this time and effort into creating these new characters and this new uh, Andromeda initiative seems like a cool idea. The stuff that's taking place on, like, the main ship, not not your main ship, but, like, the main main ship, not the Ark, but the main ship. Yes. Like, the, the, the politics stuff seems really interesting. And, uh, you know, there's a female Krogan, which we've never really seen before. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in this game that really makes me excited to play more which you know tomorrow i have to work in the morning but tomorrow night i'm i'm off for uh the fourth of july which if you're not an american listener it's uh, american holiday uh so i'm off on tuesday so monday night i'm really going to dive into it you know i i Mm -hmm. really really want to learn more about these characters and i think you know uh core is interesting i think the yeah she is the Australian black guy is pretty interesting. Like, I don't yeah. know. There's there's a lot of interesting things going on in this game, and I want to learn more. And that's what I want for Mass Effect is 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 that. And it's you know later we're going to talk about uh, the possibilities of DLC for this game. But I'm into it. I'm enjoying it. Uh, you know, I think we're both kind of enjoying it. And I I don't understand why everybody made such a big deal. And I I understand a lot of people expect a lot from Bioware and a lot of people expect a lot from Mass Effect in general. But, you know, some of the issues I think people had should be blamed on EA and then make forcing them to use Frostbite and have trying to have it out by a certain date without pushing it and not on the team itself. So, I did notice yeah. I did notice one conversation I was having uh one of the NPCs like pushed one of the other characters out of the cutscene was like it's like i was having a conversation with someone Uh and one of the characters walked into the scene and started pushing the person i was talking to out of the screen and i thought that was really funny but like it's also a bug that like probably should have been fixed but like it was really funny to see like the character i'm talking to she's talking to me and all of a sudden you just see push out of the way (laughs) (laughs) oh but it's i i'm enjoying my time with it like i don't know i i like mass effect as a series and it's interesting i think it's refreshing to get away from like 
Shepard and you know the Reapers and and, and that yes story. So, uh, Mass Effect. I I think you know if you are still concerned, uh, you know wait for a sale and try it out. I I if you're a fan of Mass Effect or just any sci-fi in general, like check it out. It's good. It's worth yeah. it. I, I think, think it's worth it. I think it. it's on the summer sale right now. I think, or I, it might be PSN or Xbox. One of them. It's like for it's like for forty four dollars or something. Um, yeah. like I said, I know yeah, the, I got the, the deluxe, deluxe version. The, yeah, the deluxe version I got like for forty one dollars for yeah. something edition. Um, I think if they would have just fixed the currency. Uh, and some of the armor situations, I or that, that problem, I think it would have been a better game, definitely for me. Um, because and the research points things, the research points, I'm still trying to figure out in the mining for materials. It's just like this is weird to make weapons and stuff. I'm just like, why can I not just have kind of like a store for some reason? Yeah, weird at times, but yeah, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I. I'm really enjoying it too. I think it's, I think it's, it's been overly criticized and underrated. I, I, I mean, I don't think it's the best game in the series so far. I still think, mm-hmm. you know, from a storytelling perspective, I think one holds that candle, but like, I'm enjoying it. I think it's fun. I think it's, it's got a lot of act, cool action in it. It's, it's good. I like, I, I I'm just enjoying it. I think story-wise, I think Mass Effect 2 is better. Gameplay-wise, 3 refines it. Yeah. You know, uh, uh-huh. I'm not saying that Mass Effect 3 is, is any bit bad. Like, I I probably replay Mass Effect 3 more than I did 2 and 1. Like, I think I did, like, Mass Effect 3, like, four times. Being yeah, it I all played, the way through. Yeah, I played... Well, I own the whole trilogy on 360. So, I played through Mass Effect 3 twice on there. And like this mm-hmm. is before I even knew like everybody was really mad about the ending, and I was like, I like the ending of Mass Effect Three personally. But then like yeah, I did too. It came out later on Wii U, and I actually played it like three or four times on Wii U because I could play it on the tablet and I could like just sit and watch TV and play it and have my headphones in and stuff. Which I still think like if you're gonna play Mass Effect Three by itself. I think I still think the Wii U is the the way to play that game because you can you can direct your squad mates without having to like you can draw their path on the screen. You have your map on the screen. You have your loadouts. You have everything that you could need right there on the screen. And I just think from a gameplay perspective, Mass Effect Three on Wii U is still like the the best place to play that game. But that yes. said, Mass Effect Three kind of doesn't hit home unless you've played one and two. Well, two specifically, but yeah, one or one and two, like it doesn't have the same impact because you're not. It it fills in the story gaps for you, to where like even even if you do the little interactive comic things, so it can generate the story for you, you're still missing stuff. Yeah. And, and I, I could agree with you with some of the story parts in Mass Effect 1 because me and my friend was playing it. And I'm just like, okay, you at this part, I'm at, like, at this part? Yeah, I'm at this part. And did you experience this? And, like, we'll talk about and how the moral uh, system affected our storyline. But Mass Effect 2, I was going to my friend. I'm like, what did the world just happen at this point? He's just like, yeah, I know. And it, it kind of got me excited uh, because... <laughs> 
I, and I admit I'm honest to this and people who heard probably me about the Kotar stuff, I felt like before I played Mass Effect, I felt that uh, Bioware was a terrible developer because of Kotar and how some of their games were designed. But then I, I picked up I Mass just, Effect 1. I just feel I, like a lot of Bioware games didn't translate well to console. Yeah. That yeah. was That's the issue. And like I personally, I think KOTOR is a great game in terms of like storytelling in the Star Wars universe, but I don't think that that gameplay works well on console. Like, I I just don't. And like, I know, I know you're not a huge Star Wars fan, so that's probably why you don't like KOTOR more, which is probably you know, why it's... you're getting a little bit of the comments. <laughs> from the... <laughs> um, can I, and I just want to say this about the KOTOR thing, and it, it doesn't have it doesn't have me not being a big star Wars fan. You know, my problem with star Wars is the, is the original trilogy. I, I think seven and a uh, rogue one was fantastic. I think those are the, kind of like the best two star Wars out of the whole, the whole series. My problem with Kotar was that it was so directionless. It didn't tell you what to do or where to go. Like the intro of it, when they, when you're on the ship and then again, how it starts off is great. I love how they introduce to you, but once you get to the first land, it's just like there you go. Yeah, yeah, it that's like, uh, it had this like it had this weird kind of I kind of want to be an MMO, but I'm not, and this is my single player MMO style game, but like I don't know where to go. Who do I talk to right. for quests? Like that kind of stuff, and like I I actually like remember playing that and i went out and bought the strategy guide because it had a step-by-step thing of like here's who you go talk to if you want to and like upgrading your character if you want to be a melee based character here's where you go if you want to be a ranged character here's where you go if you want to be a mix of both here's how you do it and like i don't know if i would have enjoyed that game as much as i did without the strategy guide and the help and i'm one of those i'm one of those people that's like play games how you want. If you want to play it on easy, go ahead. If you want to use a strategy guide, go ahead. And like, I don't think I would have enjoyed KOTOR as much as I did without strategy guide. And, and yeah, I agree. But, Cause that's different from breath of the wild. Not going to bring up breath of the wild anymore. Uh, <laughs> where that, where that freedom is, they let you, they, they give you a direction, but they also let you know that yes, you have the freedom to go to go air, anywhere, but Here's some things that you might want to prepare for. Prepare for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bam, and I think and I think there. I think the combination of you know making the transition to consoles, trying to figure out how the gameplay would work, and people recognizing how Bioware games work from a PC crowd and transferring it over to a console where the primary games were you know Halo and sports games like mm-hmm. that audience. I think probably had a harder time time grasping how that how Bioware games work, and like I think I think Mass Effect One suffers from the same problem. You know, I think like from a gameplay perspective, like this is a this is a shooter, and they rectified this in two and three, right? This is a like we understand you want to tell a good story and have RPG elements, but the gameplay mechanics need to work like a third person shooter, and like. Mass Effect One suffers from that too. If you go back and play that, the gameplay is just awful. Like if you're trying oh. to if you're if you're trying to be a sniper in that game, and you're trying to snipe someone on that first planet without any upgrades or playing, you new would game think plus, your character was 
drunk throughout the whole game or is on a ship. Like, right. it literally, it's just like, this is how seasickness feel. Yeah. I can yeah, play uh, this. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, and, and, you know, I, I think Mass Effect 2 and 3 and now Andromeda really rectified all that. I think, I think, yes. I think Andromeda, the mechanics are serviceable. They're not the greatest. I really still think that Gears of War still holds the, the trophy for best third person shooter controls. Like, I, I just feel that way. I don't like how you, ha- like, no button for cover, no, uh, you know, dodge roll or whatever, but I guess that's what the the boost is for. Uh, But, you know, I guess we can kind of transition this and talk about the Mass Effect DLC first, since we're kind of on this topic. Like one of the things that Mass Effect was really known for was awesome DLC. You know, the Shadow Broker DLC is some of my favorite DLC probably ever next to like the Mario Kart DLC and and Mario Kart 8 DLC and, and some other things. But like, the Shadow Broker DLC told its own story and actually helped you learn some stuff that was about to happen in Mass Effect 3. Uh, you know, Mass Effect 1 had uh, the the first DLC that dropped from Mass Effect 1, if you played it, actually played a really big role in Mass Effect 3. Like, you couldn't get specific missions if you didn't play that DLC. That's how uh-huh. linked in that DLC was. And, like, the Citadel DLC... Uh, in Mass Effect 3 where you got to learn your party members and stuff like it was just that dumb DLC where you were like dancing and getting drunk and kind of learning more about your your party it's kind of like a last hurrah for the Mass Effect trilogy it was like it was pretty cool I I really liked it and so like to not get DLC for Mass Effect Andromeda is kind of a letdown and like you know EA kind of hushed those rumors and said we haven't canceled anything hasn't really been confirmed we told players to hold on to their uh saves for a reason like that kind of stuff but kotaku and now game informer and and ign are both are all reporting that you know ea forced them to cancel it because that's a skeleton crew over there now to keep up with multiplayer updates and you know there are hints at the quarian arc dlc coming like Man, this just sounds like a big mess. EA just wants to shove under a rug and forget about. Did did they charge for a season pass or announce anything for a season? No, pass? they said no. In like at E three last year, they said there's not going to be a season pass. We know how fans feel about season passes with because of Battlefield. Uh, what was the one be, be oh, Battlefront one. Star Wars Battlefront? Yeah. yeah, with Battlefield and Battlefront, like those season oh. passes didn't go over well with fans and like. They never had season passes for Mass Effect before. They're not going to start now. But we do want to do DLC in the future because Mass Effect is a big franchise. We're just going to piecemeal it. So uh, if this is all true and the DLC never comes out, that's such a bummer. Because like the, from what I understand without spoiling anything, Andromeda kind of ends setting up either DLC or a sequel. And like, mm-hmm. man, I I would just be totally bummed out if I didn't get more Mass Effect because like, I just, I really feel like EA is just going to put Mass Effect on the back burner now that they have the Star Wars license and Anthem coming. And those are two, like, even though they they came out and said that Anthem isn't, Bioware came out and said that Anthem is not Mass Effect. It's more of a 
sci-fi fantasy similar to star wars but like that's a lot of sci-fi going on and they're not going to have three sci-fi series going on at the same time and it just makes me really sad because mass effect is an important franchise especially to me on a personal level you know it's like (sighs) well the sales numbers and the criticism may ea kind of act in a manner like they want to back off and be like okay let's not do anymore you know kind of like they were trying to do damage control for for mass effect andromeda and with all the stories and stuff coming out and it's this i agree with you that it is kind of sad that this game is not getting dlc because like they could they could be like okay here are some missions playing as your main character's dad uh and you know, exploring his, you know, exploring the dad uh, before over the, uh, you know, gave him the main character Sam and stuff. And they could have went, they could have went there with that, but you really won't be able to get that. And it's kind of weird that you know to to see that uh, EA is canceling the DLC or rumor allegedly to cancel the DLC. Um uh, and it, it just it's kind of sad. You know, I want I would I would have loved to see what they would have offered more for this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like at that same point, I would have liked to seen this team like have another year to work on the main story in the first place because like man, like if this game just had a little bit a little bit more polish and like the time like to learn frostbite and that was another issue like yes. like like we've talked about this several times where like dice developed this engine for battlefield like why not go to like have the engine the software engineers go help these studios learn how to build a game on this engine it is so important for people to know how to use the tools that they're using. Like, you know, you're not like, you know, there's a lot of things for unity and unreal out there that teach you how to use these things and, and let you make these complex things in terms of tutorial and stuff. Right. But why not have some people from dice or, you know, whoever else is working with this engine that's, that is familiar with it, go there and help them learn how to to build a game with this engine. It just it boggles my mind that e- it just boggles my mind that they had to just learn how to use this engine in basically eighteen months and transfer all the assets into the engine and build a game out of it. Like, because EA thought that Bioware would be able. EA has so much faith in Frostbite because it's their own proprietary engine. They thought that they could give it to any developer, develop, you know, or any team, and they'll be able to learn it just like that. Well, no, because you upgraded uh, Frostbite, I think two or three times, like whatever the latest one is, and you only gave it to one, you kept it at one developer. You didn't give it to anybody else. So guess what? They don't have time to take a year, a year and a half to make, let's say, even an indie game to be running off of Frostbite. You know, they don't, they don't, they can't research and play around with it to see what they can do with this engine. Yeah, and that's like, that's just, that's the saddest part, man. It's just like, 
and, and I, you, I feel like you have to blame EA for that. Yeah, I just, ugh, man, EA just kind of, like, they were doing, like, you know, everybody kind of voted them as, like, the worst company in the world. And, like, I know that's super over-exaggeration, internet, like, loud ma- ma- minority speaking and stuff, but, like, they get, they had that vibe for a reason, and they were crawling back from that with, like, the EA originals with, with Fee that's never come out yet, with with you know, unraveled that came out last year, you know, pushing some of these smaller games and, and giving plants versus zombies, the shooter, like that shooter franchise, what is it? Garden warfare, a chance. And like, they made a sequel and those, like those games were fun. Todd Oxtra and I, and I think you and on that Facebook conversation, we're talking about, you know, how plants versus zombies would fit perfectly on switch that shooter franchise and how awesome it would be to have on the go as a portable. And like they're doing all the, they're, they seem to be making all the right moves. And then they said, we're not making, you know, mass effect trilogy remaster because we want to focus on new things, which, you know, that would make them a lot of money, but it's also, I, I get it. You want to try new things and that's good from a, from a development perspective, but then you go and you rush out, you know, what's arguably before you got the star Wars franchise, it's arguably your biggest franchise in mass effect, you know, outside of sports, and you make them use an engine they've never used before, and you make them rush it out, and don't give them the time they need to polish. Man, they just—it's—it's it's something about EA that gives players that um, smoke and mirrors vibe. Mm-hmm. So they'll market it, and you'll get a trailer that looks all of this, but in its execution, it fails on so many levels. It doesn't meet the expectations. Um, EA think that it's going to have. Mm-hmm. We're so we're so dazzled by the uh, the smoke and mirrors that when we actually get past it, when the smoke clears and the mirror breaks, and we start seeing it for its execution, we start getting it on EA. Mm-hmm. Be like, this is not what you guys marketed to us. This rep- representation feels fake Mm -hmm. yeah i just man it's it's i'm sad because mass effect is such an important franchise i feel like in terms of making choices in a story-driven environment and like you know it's it's just sad because i like that franchise a lot and and it's if we don't get dlc for this i just feel like we're not going to see another Mass Effect game until they lose the Star Wars license, and that sucks big time. Because, like, someday, someday, like, yeah, Star Wars is all big and flashy now, but, like, you know, and I, I enjoy Star Wars. I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan, but I enjoy Star Wars. I enjoy watching the movies and stuff. Uh, but, you know, eventually Star Wars is going to fall into that superhero thing where, like, okay... It's, it's enough right now. Like we've got so many superhero things going on right now. My head hurts thinking about all the movies I haven't seen yet. Like I, I feel like Star, Star Wars personally has already reached this point. Like um, it, can, it, can't, it can't go any further and it can't evolve. I think, you know, I think, you know, I don't want to make this a Star Wars show, but like I think the way they're kind of, moving away from from like the numbered movies and like because rogue one i think 
is honestly probably the best Star Wars movie I've seen. Like it wasn't about the Skywalker stuff. It wasn't about, you know, the force or anything. It was about a group of people trying. It was a war movie and it was really cool. It was just set yes. in the Star Wars universe. It was cool. Uh, you know, I liked episode seven a lot. Uh, I think, I don't know. It's gonna. It's just, uh, I don't even know what to it's, say. I'm not that you need, you guys need to listen to secret friends unite for all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Cause they're the experts over there, but like <laughs> the, the last thing I'm going to say, cause I don't know we got to move on to the next topic. Um, the last thing I, I, I would say about mass effect Andromeda and a little bit about star Wars, but let me do star Wars first. I think that, with EA working on Star Wars, you know, because it's such a recognizable brand name, they're relying on that name. Mm-hmm. And I still feel like because they're relying on that name, that execution is still not going to be up to standards. We're still going to get smoking members with that. So that's how I feel about that. As for Mass Effect Andromeda, even if we don't get any DLC, hopefully this game has, uh, hopefully people will be able to go to this game and any decisions and any side quests and stuff that they missed, that they're able to go back and do those missions and choose different options and maybe get try to get some achievements and stuff. And once you feel like that you got enough feel for that game, whether you satisfied or not, you'll be able to move on um, from it. And by the time you actually move on, there'll be a new game that has that Mass Effect feel, but can be that may be better, maybe the same or maybe less, depending on how you're going to view it. Um, but for right now, I, I think I think it's a good summer game compared yeah. to when it released and i think it's one of those games people could be like well you know what let me try mass effect drumming up for myself and yeah. it, i think it's a good game to just play for the summer because it's it's something that i don't think it had enough hype because ea wasn't really marketing it and bioware really you know they couldn't really show it off probably because of all the problems and stuff that they have but now that you know a lot of it's on sale and stuff, maybe it's time to catch up. Maybe it's time to play it just for the summer and you know get it out your backlog or you know just give it a chance to stuff. Maybe sales still pick up for it, and if the sales does pick up and it shows really good numbers for EA, it might help them consider to be like you know what, maybe we should do maybe two DLC packs and give it to the guy and give it to the players. Yeah, yeah, I. I hope there's more Mass Effect. Uh, I hope there's more just, I mean, it's just, yeah. So um, anyways, we're going to move on to our next topic, which is, uh, you know, something maybe we're not interested in directly, but, you know, it affects a lot of people. And I have a lot of things to say on the subject in general. Call of Duty Modern Warfare Remastered was released last week but it was released on PlayStation only, uh, which is interesting because there's always a lot of DLC exclusivity. Like, I I know we're going to talk about Destiny in this conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Call of Duty map packs are 30 days in advance, which is fine. It's how you get people drawn to your platform. 
but to release a game on one platform for 60 days exclusively is it's 60 days, right? I think, uh, I think, I think so. Yeah. To release it in the summer when people are starving for games to play, you know, after that amazing spring we had, you know, the general audience is looking for something amazing to play. They didn't want to pay $80 for infinite warfare, which actually played most of the campaign and that game I think is pretty solid from a gameplay perspective and actually changes a lot of what people think of call of duty. Uh, but it, I mean, I, I still think Titanfall two was, was better, but like yeah. in terms of call of duty, I think that that game was, was good. Uh, you know, don't want to pay $80 for this. Uh, you know, this was a interesting thing that Activision did and to release it in July on one platform, to then put it out two months later, which was, let's see, July, August, September. So two months before the next Call of Duty you're trying to put out? Like, what is happening here? <laughs> okay. And, and I, I want to address this from a gamer's point of view. Beast, a remaster uh without the map packs and it's a year um it's a maybe what six seven months down the line that people have already paid the 80 dollars to play the speedmaster on both consoles so you releasing it as a standalone doesn't really do anything for any gamer who are who owns ps4 or xbox now, seeing it as an exclusive deal with PlayStation, I think, uh, I think it, I think that's a good thing for Xbox players that we're getting it that we're not even getting it now, mm-hmm. because there's other games that we could get. Because guess what's going to happen? They're going to bring it up two more months, but people are already going to be on Destiny too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people who people who care about any Destiny DLC or exclusive, if you want to make that jump to PS4 or you feel like that's where you'll be playing it at, that's completely fine. But if there's a lot of content in Destiny 2, Modern Warfare wouldn't even matter. And and for and to remind you to remind all the Xbox players, if you have a Nintendo Switch. Guess what? There's going to be indie games. There's going to be first party games that's coming every month onto that system. Yep. So there's going to be some great titles and stuff. Modern Warfare. Yeah. My for, big... for, for a remaster. Yeah. I mean, like, this is okay. First of all. <laughs> oh, can, hey, can, can I say, hold on, hold on, uh, hold on. Can okay. I say something? Okay, yeah. and I want you guys to think about this. Activision messed up with just putting this on, uh, putting this on PS4. I bet you right now, from E3 with Nintendo showing Samus Return, if they would have dropped it on the same day as the remaster of uh, Call of Duty came out, which one do you think people will get more, Call of Duty or Samus Returns for 3DS? Both at the same price, my you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, here's the thing. I think 
man, I don't even know right now. It's like I it did. I'm it a, did. I'm a. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, it did. What the story that they had about you still got to have the disc to do the remaster. Um, it was kind of weird that the way that it was stated. I, I was reading it on the destructor. I had thought that like if you bought the digital version of the standalone game, you had to have Call of Duty Infinity. But it seems like you had to have the legacy version on how it was. Me and Moose was talking about it. I'm like, this doesn't make sense. So it seems like if you bought the game, if you bought the legacy version, which comes with the which comes with Modern Warfare. And if you buy, I guess, the standalone, it felt like you had to have the Infinity uh, Warfare disc in order to play the standalone. So you got Infinity Warfare um, or Infinite Warfare, but you got two versions of the same game or two copies of the same game for the remaster. It, it was weird on how that was stated. Yeah. Yeah. I Here's the thing. I'm a big Destiny player, right? I played the, the crap out of that game and the news just came out and and this kind of ties into what we're talking about and exclusivity in general like it just came out that the weapons and the missions and the strikes that were all exclusive to playstation from the taken yes. king until now are coming to xbox in october october yes. Yes. Five weeks after Destiny 2 has been out, the exclusive Fire content Team. is coming to Xbox. If Fire Team Chat, I still gotta watch their episode. They uh one of the uh one of the hosts addressed that on uh uh, achievement on uh, uh on unlocked on IGN, and that's weird. I'm like, you really gonna give them all this content, and you're gonna probably charge them a big penny. When your sequel is already out, like mm -hmm. what kind of exclusive deal did you make? Yeah, right. I mean, like, I get it. PlayStation wants to attract customers, right? That's the business we're in. Like, exclusivity sucks, but it's a part of business. But there is a a window where it's like, okay, I get it. With you know, with Xbox and the division, it was thirty days, right? With Call of Duty map packs, it's 30 days. But with Destiny, it was two years. It was, first of all, year one to year two, it was one year to get weapons, which included one of the best weapons in the game at that point on PlayStation. Xbox users never got to use. And then you wait two years to release this content after the sequel is out? Like, I think 60 days is pushing it on exclusive content and to release a game 60 days early on one platform, like especially a remastered version on a, then not release it on the platform that is known to have the bigger player base. Like that's ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. And like, it's not consumer friendly. It's not, you know, it's not any of this stuff that, you know, I don't know. I don't know how it benefits anyone except for you know there's the argument that you know if playstation wouldn't have funded these exclusives for destiny they wouldn't have been made in the first place which come on it's bungie and it's activision that's a bunch of crap you know these some of these maps wouldn't get made for call of duty if playstation wasn't funding the advertisement 
come on, it's Call of Duty, it's Activision, it's the biggest selling shooter in the world. Like, come on, come on. Right. That argument is a bunch of crap. So that's, <laughs> I mean, that's my perspective. And I think like, like, I'm just gonna, I, I wanna play Destiny on Xbox. I wanna play Destiny 2 on Xbox. And we're going to me and and Joey and some of my friends are moving to Xbox because a lot of our friends got Xbox ones and they want to play destiny Two. And we're like, well, some of our old raid team on PlayStation isn't getting together anymore. So we want to move over there and play with friends. Like that's the whole point of that shared world experience is you're playing, you're going on strikes with your friends, that kind of stuff. But they just came out with a whole list of exclusive stuff that PlayStation is getting. And it's like, the list is like 20 things long. Exclusive armor for each class, uh, exclusive weapons, exclusive strike, like like none. The armor and stuff doesn't really bother me because a lot of the time, I think, except for one top, two times in Destiny, the weapons were part of the game's the multiplayer meta. Like, you know, Hawkmoon had that luck in the chamber and one bullet in the in the. Uh, chamber did one extra or did double damage so like if you got two bullets that did double damage you're going to kill someone right uh, it doesn't matter if you're hitting them in the body or the head right. and like that's important to a first person shooter and xbox didn't get to experience that and then they changed the weapon so much by the time it came to xbox that like it wasn't really worth using anymore i mean it's still a good weapon like i i like that weapon still for pve but in terms of of multiplayer like that game there that weapon isn't what it used to be and like you know when it's that big when it comes to gameplay and affecting how you play the game that's kind of an issue especially when like a community as strong as destiny's like you know because you know bungie's always been known for their strong communities and when you are talking to your Xbox buddies and you play on PlayStation and you're talking and like talking about the meta of multiplayer being so drastically different based on Xbox not having this one weapon. That sucks. Yes. That sucks. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, it, 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 I mean, it defeats the purpose of even why even release it. Yeah. You already hey, hey, you already got a game with all the regular DLC, story missions and stuff. You already got that at sixty dollars with the with the last one coming on disc if you want that. Okay. Now you gotta buy two year old content that's been nerfed and adjusted. Like why? Mm -hmm. With your newest game coming out after. Mm -hmm. Now, you see how Square Enix did it with Microsoft with Rise of the Tomb Raider. They released it later on down the line, even with the DLC. They put, they bundled it up and put it on PS4 to for her anniversary. That's really good. You know, $60 for all that, for all that content. Very good deal. But they didn't wait to, I mean, yeah, it was almost a year that it came out. But guess what? They didn't. They dropped everything all together when that game came out. They didn't hold it for almost two years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know. This exclusivity thing is kind of getting out of hand. And like, I understand. You know, the draw of like like thirty days. I think is a good window for exclusivity stuff. Like, I it's part mm -hmm. of the business. 
everybody's got to get over that. It's fine. It's part of the business. 30 days is the window. I think somebody described it as like, there's a window for being okay. I can deal with it. And then outside that window is you're just being a dick like that. I forget what show it was. I forget what show it was, but like, that's how it was described on this show. And like two years is for way some, outside of that. Window. For some for, old so, content. Yeah. For like content that like, look, destiny has been updated three times since this, this content was the exclusive, like, this this the the way this exclusivity works is like it was two years there were two major updates another expansion a raid and an updated prison of elders added to all of this not to mention the five or six strikes the other new weapons they dropped like all that before place before xbox owners got this two-year-old content and that's Ugh, man, does that bug me. And like to wrap it back around to Call of Duty, like, yeah, I get map packs. Map packs are different and they don't affect gameplay. But when one of the most popular games on Xbox 360 ever is being remastered and released on PlayStation 60 days beforehand, like to the point where so many people are are probably so excited for like the Call of Duty fans are probably excited to get World War II that they're not even paying attention to modern warfare anymore. Or right, or it could go the other way where like it could people love modern warfare so much that by the time World War II comes out, people are gonna be like, "Well, this is the Call of Duty we all loved ten years ago. We're just gonna buy that for forty dollars instead of your like." season pass and and you know new game for 80 or 100 dollars right and this there's probably people who's just like why do i even need this game i got overwatch yeah i mean and that's that's another thing too is like the way people want to consume first person shooters is changing so drastically from call of duty and halo and it's moving more towards you know the overwatch style you know lawbreakers looks like it's going to be good on playstation and pc Mm -hmm. like I actually hope Lawbreakers makes its way to Xbox at some point. And another thing, another thing we're not putting in this equation is like Call of Duty could be in trouble because of Player Unknown's Battlegrounds coming to Xbox. Right. Like in that game, that game, like I've been watching more and more videos and streams of that game. That game looks like so much fun just to like group up and just go. Like that game looks like so much fun. And I guarantee you, if not this year, two years from now, or three years from now, every first person shooter is going to have that battle royale style thing in it just to compete with player unknowns. It, well, it, this, and this is the thing about it even if, even if player unknown battlegrounds came to PlayStation 4, it wouldn't even matter because A, it's not allowing you to do cross play, B, it's already going to probably be updated, and people who are playing on PC playing against Xbox One players, it. it Mm-hmm. Why? Why even jump? Why even jump on PlayStation Four version? Yeah. So I mean, it's gonna be it's it's gonna be interesting to see like how all this exclusivity plays out. And like in a year, is it even gonna matter? Because so many people are playing other games. Like, right? I, I mean, like there's rumors that Overwatch is gonna get a sequel next year. Like that's a small rumor, but it is a rumor floating around out there. 
uh player unknowns battlegrounds is big like people want to experience these games differently and experience multiplayer differently and you know pve is becoming a very big thing in terms of like we're probably going to see borderlands 3 some point next year we're probably going to see you know destiny's coming out this year and people seem that community loves that game and i love that game even though i hate that game like i hate it's come on it's a love-hate relationship with me and destiny don't don't hate me uh you know people want to experience their first person shooters in different ways and you know i think we've already seen the decline of call of duty i think you know activision either a needs to think about that franchise and really take a new perspective on how they can approach the multiplayer and the, the campaigns to be quite honest with you and which i think they did a little bit with infinite warfare and b maybe it's time for call of duty to take a couple years off and you know because destiny is their new big thing you know blizzard and overwatch is their new big thing uh maybe call of duty just needs to take some time off like it had its run it had a very good run right it's, it's mm-hmm. call of duty it's an iconic staple of pop culture for the last 12 years maybe it's time but, just to take a but take a breather Act- activision doesn't have anything skylanders is not doing it no more for the well they have they have uh, destiny they have overwatch they have diablo Des- like they destiny- have all Destiny had its problems, but it's still not a big guarantee seller to keep Activision in I, the line. I think, I think, I think uh, it's going to do. I think Destiny Two is going to draw back every player that played Destiny One, including ones that quit. But I think Activision. I think that <laughs> franchise is so attached to Bungie that Activision it, is they like Activision is going to make their money off of it, but people yes. will tie that game so close to Bungie that like it might not affect how people see Activision. Well, the thing about with Destiny 2 is that people want people who are going to pick up Destiny 2 want to see how big of an improvement it is. Mm-hmm. So it's in a, it's in the site of you have to prove me on why you're still an important IP. Right. And like I I think because I I think I think in like Destiny too, like it has you know the Taken King is obviously the best part of Destiny One right now, right? It changed the way the game played. It changed the the in-game economy. It set quests up in a better, uh, you know, you knew where you were going next type deal in terms of the stories and and how you can track your quests and stuff. And like I think a lot of people have a faith in what Destiny Two is doing based off it having the Taken King team behind it and not Vanilla Destiny or uh, Rise of Irons team behind it. Like, they're obviously working on it, but the, it's the lead is the Taken King. Uh, but I I think Destiny is... I think this year Destiny is going to overtake Call of Duty in terms of Activision's first-person shooter thrown. Uh, and even that's not a guarantee. I still... I think you're right. I think a lot of people are going to play this game thinking... How did you improve all the mistakes you made with Destiny One? It's, and that's and, and Destiny just, Two. Destiny Two is the make or break title in the franchise. I think it's going to be introspective, comprehensible that it has a focus on that I can actually focus on your story and comprehend. 
Yeah. And like, you know, I, because I think, you know, what we've seen, they've shown a lot of what they're aiming to do with the campaign in Destiny 2. And I think, you know, at making the Cabal a, a scary, fierce enemy to go up against this, it's like the Cabal for people who know Destiny and the story behind Destiny, like the Cabal are a scary enemy anyway. They are a large Hulk, but like a militarized version of the Hulk times a million that can think for themselves and not be just act in rage, right? They're just these right. huge bruising figures in the Destiny universe. And to have a rogue legion of these cabal come after you is like really scary and impending doom thought like that is an awesome thing and to explore more of their backstory because they didn't get their due in destiny one is even more intriguing and like the fact that you're going to be able to upgrade your character and find cool weapons throughout the campaign instead of waiting till the end game is a big mm -hmm. improvement uh which they've already stated they can because like they said they've been test playing it in in their offices and like people have found two or three exotics by playing through the campaign alone which is awesome because i didn't find my first exotic until i did my first raid and that was seven or eight months after destiny came, what came out and that was that's an issue to get the best weapons in the game eight months after you start playing is an issue yes so I mean, I, I don't want to make this a uh, whole Destiny thing either, but like that's tying it to Call of Duty is like they need, uh, I think Destiny, um, Destiny is in a similar boat as Call of Duty is where they need to figure out how to convey the message that they're reinventing the game with without straying too far from what people like about it. Right. And so, Activision uh, gets exclusivity crap together. Yeah, for real. Like, I'm I'm really tired of, like, trying to guess when all this stuff is coming out. And, like, I'm not a big Call of Duty player, but that exclusivity thing directly affects me as a Destiny player. So, yeah, figure it out. Uh, so, the last thing we're going to talk about, probably not going to be as long as the last two segments, but it's, it's okay. Yes. Uh, actually, you know what? We didn't go over the Games of Gold stuff yet, so... Uh, I'm going to bring that up yeah. real quick before we talk about the Xbox One X. But uh, for July, uh, the games with gold from Major Nelson's blog have have gone up. Uh, from July 1st through the 31st, you can get Grow Up, which is the sequel to Grow Home. Wait, was is Grow Up the first one? Or is Grow Home the first one? Grow Home was the first one. Okay, so Grow Up uh, is the Ubisoft sequel to to grow home and uh runbo from july 16th to august 15th uh on xbox one and then for the xbox 360 titles which are also backwards compatible on xbox one in case you've been sleeping under a rock xbox one plays 360 games most of them now uh from io interactive uh kane and lynch 2 which was an interesting but not critically a came uh, third person yeah. shooter. Freshman fired. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then that's from July 1st through the 15th. And then from July 16th through the 31st. Probably my favorite Lego game, Lego Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, so yeah. those will both be backwards compatible on Xbox One. Uh, so go get them. Go get your free games. 
Uh, they're free. I download every free game, even if I'm not interested, because you never know when you're going to be itching for something a little bit different than what you're playing now. So yes. Uh, okay, so our last topic here today. Uh, Xbox One X pre-orders are still not up because the product has not cleared the FCC regulations. Now, you know, we've seen that with the new Super Nintendo Classic that's coming from Nintendo. Uh, we saw that with the Switch when it was announced, like the FCC didn't clear it. There's not really an issue yet in terms of pre-orders and if this console is going to come out on time. But some people have shown concern that they can't pre-order the box that does that spell delay for the Xbox One X? I personally don't think so. Yeah, me neither. But it's it's interesting because I feel like this box is kind of reinventing what the Xbox brand is and wants to be. You know, Xbox has always been synonymous with the most powerful box on the market. The mm-hmm. you know X, the original Xbox, you know, really powerful had that hard drive in it. Uh, Xbox 360, uh, a little bit more powerful than the PS3, uh, always ran the games, third-party games better 90% of the time. Uh, And then Xbox One came out of the gate a little underpowered this generation. Uh, And I think this is Phil Spencer's statement of saying, look, we want to... Xbox has always stood for power, and we want to bring the most powerful box. We want to give you a 4K almost PC-like experience to your living room. Uh, so here's the Xbox One X, and I'm I'm getting more and more interested in this box, personally. Uh, I'm not going to upgrade this year. I don't need to. I don't want to. And I don't have the money to. But I do want to upgrade to this box eventually. I think that it is a cool-looking box, and I, I think a lot of people from a anecdotal perspective who love xbox want to have this box because a lot of people didn't buy the s if they already had a xbox one which Mm -hmm. you know you included you still have the big vcr xbox (laughs) the giant brick box so uh yeah what do you think what do you what do you what are you nodding on over there i i think of it as this who cares for the pre-order for Xbox One? Because at all of E3, most people were just like, well, I'm not sold on the OX, and why do I even need one? So if that is the mentality that a lot of people are going with, where is this concern of not being able to pre-order it just yet? going to be like, how I got an Xbox OX and you did it? Or is it to be like, well, just to, you know, let me see what what it really is all about to see if I get this box is going to prove it to me. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not like it's not going to be in abundance because, you know, Microsoft is good at, you know, sending enough consoles because really not many people are buying them. Um, what we'll see when they actually release the OX or when the pre-orders would come up we'll see who are who is going to be willing to put the $500 down. And I kind of want to see is how many people are very excited to it to if they're buying the OX to see if Microsoft Word is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, uh, <clears throat> because, you know, to get the experience of it, 
people got to buy a 4K TV. So yes, people who have a 4K TV, those pre or those pre-sales really matter. But if you don't own it and you're seeing this stuff still in 1080p, you really are just getting a benefit of that it is a powerful system running your games a little bit better or running it better <clears throat> than Slim and original Xbox. You know, yeah. you're not getting that f- true 4K, I, I guess, 60 frames, whatever exclusive and all that other crap, you know. So I kind of want to see, and, you know, to viewers, let me know. Let us know. How do you feel about it? If you're getting an X, is it because that you want Mark, you want to see test Microsoft work? Or are you really hyped to own the system? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think... There's no reason for me to upgrade right now, right? I no. don't have a 4K TV. Uh, you know, there's not really any games that are s- really harnessing the power yet. I think the game that's going to make me upgrade to this box, and b- minus say an upgrade in a TV eventually, right, uh, would be mm-hmm. like something like Anthem. Uh, you know, I I've. I know EA and Microsoft have that deal where, you know, they're going to try to make this game look amazing on an Xbox one X. Uh, and when that game comes out that I'm sure there'll be some sort of Anthem bundle, you know, the way that, you know, Ubisoft does with Assassin's Creed or EA does with Madden or FIFA. Like when that, if there's a bundle or that game comes out, may, I'll look into, I'll look into upgrading. And, you know, by the time Anthem comes out, maybe there'll be a price drop, you know, because that game says 2018 on it. But I'm looking more at 2019 for Anthem. So, right. You know, maybe then. And if maybe maybe then I'll upgrade, you know, I don't something like Destiny isn't going to make me upgrade like maybe Halo 6, but I doubt it, you know, because it's I, I just don't need to. Right. But like, I, I, I I love the look of the box. Don't get me wrong. I I do want this eventually, but for me to pre-order the box is a little. Yeah. I think the slim looks better than this. Yeah, and that's I, that's I, the I, thing I, too, right? Is that the the Xbox One X looks similar to the slim, but it, it, there's it's a little bit different, and it looks a little off. It looks like a cable TV box from the eighties. <laughs> like literally if i put two buttons on I it think, i could change the channel i think that's just the color of the box though to be honest because like Is if you look at pictures of it if you look at pictures of it next to the slim it looks fairly similar well it really I, does look similar i think it's just I, the color and the angle they kind of show it off at I, I think it i don't know i think the slim just looks better overall than the ox because I'm just like, you look like a cable box. You look better than PlayStation 4. Oh, Any gosh, yeah. I was about to say, I was like... Or the regular PlayStation. I was going to say, like, it looks better than most of the boxes that are sitting under our entertainment center right now. <laughs> it don't look as sexy as the Switch and the Wii U. I'm sorry. It just doesn't look, you know. But, like... The, like If I had to put it slim regular xbox but the regular xbox i between that we and playstation 4 i was like the regular xbox one looks way better than a playstation 4 yeah this slant kit cart grilled cheese looking thing ugh, like <laughs> that's funny uh but yeah like i 
I'm looking forward to upgrading to an X eventually. I just, I don't know if I need one right now. Uh, I mean, I, I definitely don't need one right now. It's, it's right. <laughs> mostly it's all about the financial situation. And like, if, if we ever upgrade to a 4k TV and if, if I feel the need to upgrade and how my life's going at that point, it's all like, it's all relative to the, <laughs> what's happening. So, right. uh, but yeah. I do like the, I do like the idea of this box. And I, if I had a 4k TV, I would be making the extra investment to upgrade. Think probably more people who do buy it will probably be for Christmas presents for kids, or if adults are going to get it, they're going to just, you know, probably show off if to see if Microsoft word is true and just kind of like really show off. So we'll actually see. Um, but yeah, like hopefully 4K, more 4K TVs become available. And if people want to get the best out of it and they could do it, hey, more power to you guys. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's not like the Xbox One S is going away either. Like, they, right. It's, that's the quote unquote budget box now. Like, it's the, it's the way to get into the Xbox ecosystem and everything's going to work on it. It's not like, and they already said, like, if you have, uh, Xbox One S. It's going to download the 1080p assets and the game's going to run exactly the same whereas the Xbox One X is going to download the 4K assets and like that's also a good point to make when you're looking for these boxes is that mm-hmm. all your games are going to run the same because and because I, of the asset packages the xboxes know to download and what I, not to download and everybody who is getting a xbox ox terabyte that system could hold get a seven terabyte or eight terabyte because of 100 gigabytes for uh, uh for to get the 4k assets really microsoft mm-hmm yeah, that's huge. That yeah. and that literally people is crazy. People don't realize how big 4K assets are. Like I can tell you right now, Gears of War four. I downloaded it on my computer to see what the 4K assets would look like, and that my the PC version automatically downloads all the 4K stuff, even if you're not running it at 4K. Mm-hmm. It's like it's over 100 gigs for Gears of War four, and like you you have a box with a one terabyte drive in it that's gonna get real full real fast yeah so So, invest yeah definitely definitely invest uh in a hard drive an external hard drive i'm surprised they're not supplying a bigger hard drive in that thing because memory is so cheap but I think because of the two terabytes and uh, the bigger ones, I think they're so cheap right now or mm-hmm. like very like at a budget price and people could order a good one off of Amazon. That just makes sense. Yeah, I think uh, so. Yeah, Amazon has them uh, pretty, pretty cheap. Uh, an external. And uh, let's see here. Um, for a four gig hard drive, we're running about one hundred and twenty bucks like a decent one. And then if you want to upgrade to eight gigs, it's like 160 on Amazon. So I mean, it's memory is relatively cheap. If you're investing in a box, you're going to need to get one of these hard drives, but that's, yeah, that's besides the point. So, uh, well, Ed, I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Yes, of, that's of the show. X. Uh, we do. 
want to add a listener question section to this show. Uh, this is obviously a test that, I mean, we're coming out of the testing phase and moving it into a more prominent role production. in production on NGR. Yes, exactly. Thanks, Ed. Uh, but we do want to read your uh, listener mail. I'm going to have, by next episode, I'm going to have a uh, email address set up for you to send emails and stuff there, or just look for our posts in our Facebook page or tweet at us. Uh, so uh, all that stuff's coming. Uh, so Arsenal X went Wednesday's audio version tentatively. So look for it on major, major podcast services. Uh, eventually it's coming promise. It's coming uh, yes. YouTube page, uh, NGR radio, YouTube page, like subscribe and share to that. Check out all of our content on NGRradio.com. Ed, where can we find you? You guys can find me on Twitter at that pressure code. You can also hear my podcast, Optional Opinion, at SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, and other podcast apps. Um, I just got done doing my feature on IGN. Uh, so check that out at IGN.com on anime E N I M E. Um, the theme is is the rising sun still shining? Where I'm talking about is Japan still imported into America. And you can check out that uh that episode of Optional Opinion also on SoundCloud. And other podcast apps. Uh, check out my series, The Moment, at skirmishfrogs.com. And uh, check out some of my writings for NGR Radio. Um, I do have an important blog that will be coming um, soon. Um, I actually had to change the idea of what I was going to write. But um, because of some events that's happening, um, I really want to talk about it because it this event really is a serious matter. So do check that that one out. And uh, check out my Twitch page, the Liverpool one, where I do my Let's Learn series. And uh, yeah, check me, and also check us out at uh, Nintendo Power Block here on NGRRadio.com and on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can find me at Corey in HD on Instagram and Twitch. Uh, you can find me at Corey Hudson in HD on Twitter. Uh, join our Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash NGRRadio podcast. Uh, you know, I don't know if we're going to make an Xbox group yet. Uh, you know, this, there's <laughs> Ed and I know there's a lot going on behind the scenes right now. We're trying to get everybody. We've, we've incorporated a lot of new people. Like you heard at the top of the show, kind of getting everybody situated and in the, in the groove of things, uh, check out moose and, and his crew over there on nerds gone platinum, uh, check out us on Nintendo pal block, uh, check out NGR radio, which is how all this got started on Mondays at 10 a.m. on your favorite podcast service of choice. I want to give a big shout out to Antonio Guillen, who's starting his Nintendo Switch podcast. Yay! Uh, episode zero just went up on his YouTube page. So uh, you will find that shared in the Facebook group and through NGR Radio's social media. Uh, I'm glad Antonio is getting back out there. We got to have him on Pal Block yes. eventually. Like, I'm just I'm so happy for him that he's getting back out there and podcasting again. So check out episode zero. It's all about arms. Uh, so go over there, check it out, subscribe, all that good stuff. Um, his first episode's gotten really, really good views. Uh, when I subscribed to his channel earlier today, his uh, video already had almost 70 views. So congratulations, Antonio. Proud of you. I uh, can't wait to have you on 
one of our oh, no pun intended arsenal <laughs> arsenal of shows um, <laughs> so uh thank you guys so much for watching and listening send us your feedback and until next week we love you and everybody have a safe uh fourth of july